my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the HR Sound Off podcast show. My name is Julie. I am your host. And today, I got a special treat for you guys. Have you ever thought about what it was like as you were going through the unemployment process of getting rehired as an HR professional through this pandemic? How have you been holding up? I'm sure it's been really hard, but today my guest is here to share her story, her experience. When I first met Marley Huckabee on LinkedIn, I was absolutely excited that she reached out and said that she was a fan. Like, you don't think of yourself as having fans, right? But hey, and we had a great conversation. And in that conversation, I was like, there's a story here that people need to hear. So Marley, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm so good. Thank you, Julie. I'm so honored to be here. It's so weird to go from fan to guest speaker. I'm so honored to be here. So thank you. My absolute pleasure. I'm so happy to have you here today. I want to start off by asking you to just share your origin story with our audience. That first question, how did you get into HR? Yeah. Oh, I love this question because as I've listened to many different HR, you know, podcasts, I always hear them say, well, this is how I fell into it. And I love hearing those stories. Unfortunately, I am not that person. I am someone that chose HR from undergrad. So when I was in school at Baylor University, they had a new human resource management undergrad um, program in the business school. And so I knew I wanted to do business. I knew I didn't want to spend time in finance or math or economics. And so I was a people person. And so I I started through that and really just fell in love with the program and the concept of human resources, being able to be a partner to people and leaders. And then it kind of grew from there. I became the um, president of the Baylor Association of Human Resources and then was really dead set on finding all of my friends in my program. Great jobs. And then I was able to find my first job out of college with an HR rotational leadership program um, with an energy company. And so I I, I say that and it always sounds fancy, but to be honest with you, I really started in the file room and just worked my way up from there. So it kind of started as being a generalist and then really focusing into talent management, which is always a great place to start your HR career and recruiting. And then from there, I was able to go into a really special role in HR data and analytics um, at such a young age, which is really, I think, so beneficial and set me up for strategic execution and how to partner better with the business. Uh And then I ended that role as an HR business partner. And by that point, I started to feel a little bit of that imposter syndrome Mm. of, I keep giving leaders all this advice, but I'm an individual contributor myself. I've Mm -hmm. never actually led a team Mm. and I'd love to know what it's like to lead a team. Am I good at it? Am I good at leadership? I might just be good at coaching about it, but am I good in in practice? In practice, yeah. 
And so I started looking for other roles um, outside of the industry I was in for about seven years and Uh found a really great opportunity to be an HR manager um, for a small HR team, small but mighty is what I like to say. Yeah. And I spent two years at this new company, really being kind of the head of HR for North America and leading a team, um, which was interesting because I went from, you know, day-to-day responsibilities as an HR business partner to being a little more high-level strategic. And then from there, I don't know if we want to jump into kind of what my, my next step was, but I left the, the organization yes. and we can kind of get into what my path was from there. All right. So beautiful. I'm glad that you set the stage. So I just want to close it off a little bit and just say like, so what are you doing now? And where, where are you now? We're going to fill in the gaps, but where are you now? So I am now the director of human resources and people success for a really cool company called 10 pearls. It's like one zero and pearls like the necklace. Wow. Sounds fancy. So fancy. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but I'm glad that you set the stage for what happened in between um, your finishing one job, moving on to 10 pearls. So let's get into that. So this all happened during the pandemic. Sure did. What happened? Yes. Oh, such a great question. Where do I begin? Um, <laughs> so I, I like to think about that quote to whom much is given much is expected. Yeah. And I took my role so seriously. I mean, knowing that I was leading the HR efforts for a company that had more employees in person, it was a healthcare company. Uh-huh. Um, so we were dealing with COVID like crazy. Yeah. Um, and then we were also dealing with an internal philosophical change in performance management. How are we going to measure uh, performance moving forward? How do we get away from the antiquated performance appraisal system into more of a quarterly check-in mm-hmm. uh, surveying employees? I mean, we were going through a lot of cultural change. Right. Um, one of the reasons why I started to consider leaving um, is I had an HR business partner on my team. And I came from an HR business partner background Uh and I slowly started to realize that there was not a real value um, placed on that role or the need for it. Uh Um, And so I was having some philosophical, right? Like ethical internal conversations around what does this look like Uh for my role? You know, if if there's not a value of this position that I find so value um, in the global HR operating model, what does this look like moving forward? And so I was asked to really reconsider what the resources on my team looked like. Mm -hmm. And I was starting to realize, oh no, they're wanting me to lessen and decrease and, you know, compress and my thoughts and my opinions around how to be a strategic HR organization are the opposite. Mm -hmm. So I was having these ethical conversations with myself around when do we as HR professionals have to wear that hat and be the yes man and kind of push messages forward? And then when do we say, you know what, that doesn't align with my personal values or my personal beliefs or the way I view HR and how it should be run in an organization. And it's time for me to go. So that's one of the reasons. Uh Um, The other reason that I think I'm, I'm in a healthy enough place to really talk about, I think back then it was so challenging when I was deciding to leave because I was dealing with a lot of emotions around feeling like a failure or that I let my team down. Um, 
And it was also one of those things where you don't really talk about all of the behind the scenes reasons why you leave, why you leave a job. And that's really to protect your employees and to protect the integrity of the company. Um, but, but, but a big part was burnout. And I know that so many HR professionals right now are really struggling with mental health and burnout and work-life balance. And we Mm -hmm. preach it to our employees, but we are the ones that are not walking. We are the worst. We so suck at at it. Yep. So, so yeah, so that was really another piece of it where I was not, you know, I always like to think about it as it is never 100% the company's fault. In my opinion, there were things I could have done. There were boundaries I could have set. There were, um, there were things I could have done to mitigate it, but that's not who I am. I'm a 110% giver. I'm going to bend over backwards to help people. And so eventually it got to a place where I was like, I'm failing myself personally. My health is impacted. My sleep is impacted. I'm getting sick more often. And then also I feel like I'm letting down the company because I'm not able to be this high performer that I wanted to be because I can't get the strategic done because the day-to-day is really struggling to, to get done. Mm-hmm. So that's where I really was like, you know what? I think it's, it's, it's time. It's time for me to go based on these two main reasons. Yeah. And yeah. then I've got to focus on recovering from HR burnout. Yeah. So that kind of led into me leaving. Uh-huh. And those are two very good reasons to actually consider leaving. I really love the fact that you said there was a conversation that was going on with you internally about your integrity as an HR professional, because I think that's something that a lot of us struggle with. But between that and the burnout kind of just led you to this place of like, you know what, this is not healthy for me anymore. And it's also not healthy for the company. Right. Because you can't give your all. And I also love what you said about it not being all the company's fault, because there were things that you could have put in place. And I think a lot of times um, as HR professionals, we want to blame the company, right? But as any employee, you want to blame the company, but you can't outrightly blame the company because when you think about a relationship, it's 50-50, right? Yeah, I agree. They give a bit. You know, I think, I think it's, it's in moderation, right? Like had they given me the tools and resources to be more successful and agreed with my philosophy on the way my team should be run, maybe things would be different, but that's not how it happened. So they're not completely, you know, to blame, but they're also not completely innocent of it either. I I believe organizations actually have a due diligence to their employees to give them the tools and resources they need to be successful instead of just saying, Oh shoot, I wish that you would have, you know, managed your calendar better. You know, I think that that's kind of a falsehood. And back to what you were saying earlier about having that integrity conversation with myself, I think HR professionals were constantly struggling with how to have our authentic voice. How do we take our personal uh, philosophies, ideologies, and practices around human capital and own that voice when we are having to provide messaging that we disagree with or we don't support? And I think we're always making those judgment calls of when am I going to wear the company hat, take one for the team? Uh And then when am I going to say, I can't do this. Yes. I always used to say, I really need to think about which hill I'm willing to die on today (laughs) because I can't die on every hill. (laughs) So So it's something that you seriously have to think about. I think this is such a great conversation and a great time to have this conversation, Marley, because like you said, I think a lot of HR, we're at the start of the year, we're at the start of 2022, and I'm Mm -hmm. seeing a lot of HR professionals already 
in on different social media platforms talking about how exhausted they are and the year has just begun scary it is very very scary and i am very worried about hr professionals hr colleagues hr friends hr community i'm very worried about us because i think the more and more whether it's pandemic or not if organizations do not take that time to take a step back and check on us mm-hmm. take a step back and give us what we need because if you give us what we need as you rightly said we could do great we could do our jobs great but we're always asked to work with less mm-hmm. less resources less money we're always asked to work with less mm-hmm. because it is always felt that hr is a department that does not make the money right which is so incorrect oh yeah so not true <laughs> the the rate of uh return on strong hr is just mind-boggling actually um yeah the best companies that have survived out there are those that invest in employees and human resources absolutely instead of hr being the first to go when you take the time and support your hr teams your organizations will thrive like that roi i think it's um I was reading a report, I can't remember if it was Gartner or McKinsey, but I was reading a report recently that said the ROI on employee engagement is like 41%. That doesn't happen in isolation of Mm -hmm. HR, right? If you give us the right tools and and, and what we need in order resources to get the job done effectively, you can have a 41% increase on ROI in employee engagement. Your employee absenteeism could reduce reduce by 17%. Why would you not want to give HR what they need so that they can operate effectively? You know, it's funny you say that too, because I feel like a lot of organizations are struggling with how do we provide mental health resources? How do we provide the perks and the benefits to make the job worthwhile? And, you know, I actually had this conversation with my boss recently and he nailed it on the head and I totally agree with him. He's like, when people have the tools and resources they need and they have great work-life balance, they feel valued, right? Like when they, when they know role clarity and they feel supported by their organization and that they are adding value every day, the mental health resources, the perks, the food, all of the different things that we try and do are moot points because they're addressing the symptoms and not the root cause. If you can have an organization where you're well-staffed and you, you provide people the things they need to do to be successful, and then you also support that work-life balance and you start calling out bad behaviors. Hey, don't email at seven or eight o'clock at night. Don't do that. This, this email is not urgent. If leaders start taking accountability, yep. your employees are going to not need those mental health resources as much because their entire balance has shifted within the workplace. Yes. I'm going to respect the power of the pause in that moment because I like Ooh. your boss. Oh, thanks. I like him too. <laughs> We will return to my interview in a moment, but first a word from our sponsors, Ability CBT. Ability CBT is an internet-based cognitive behavioral therapy program designed to provide effective mental health care to people dealing with a variety of concerns, including anxiety, depression, trauma, and grief, and more. The program is guided by experienced therapists who are there to help you understand and navigate your mental health concerns and build long-lasting coping skills. 
Accessible from any device at any time, Ability CBT is delivered through a secure digital platform to combine the benefits of in-person therapy with the convenience of virtual access to fast, easy, and effective support. Ability CBT offers a targeted program to help address mental health concerns related to the uniquely challenging aspects of pandemics, including uncertainty, isolation, burnout, caring for family and community members, information overload and stress management. Ability CBT can be accessed online at myicbt.com or by downloading the Ability CBT app from the Google Play or App Store. You deserve to feel better. We now return to our interview. <laughs> Kudos to him for recognizing that. So you've made this shift now to 10 pearls. And I want to just talk a little bit about how that recruitment process was for you um, as an HR. And I know there were a couple other things that were happening in the background as well. I don't really want to share just a little bit about your experience with um, recruiting um, with other organizations as HR and like what that realizations that brought for you during this time as well. I would like to first just give a shout out to anyone who's listening right now who is currently going through the job search, because that was the hardest thing I've done, especially going into it thinking I have 10 years of HR experience. I've done recruiting my whole life. This is going to be an easy process. Oh boy. I was in for a very rude awakening. Uh It is the most stressful, challenging. The interview process is exhausting as someone who finds myself a credentialed HR professional. I'm not a total idiot. Mm -hmm. I was rejected. I was, I was rejected from a lot of jobs and every rejection email. I actually, I'm still getting rejection emails, which is kind of hilarious. Um, (laughs) but it's funny because, you know, you can go through a really great interview process. I personally declined three different offers, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm incredibly blessed and privileged to have the opportunity to decline an offer. But those, you know, we we're not interested in you emails, those still hurt. And yeah. so I would just like to say, like, you are not alone out there if you're struggling as an HR professional to find the right job. And it's really hard because I went through it too. And there are day, there are good days and there are bad days. And let the bad days just sit with you. Like just sometimes there it's gonna be a bad day um, where you feel like you're not making progress. But I would say always have hope. And one of the things that I learned from the process, so so I quit my job. My last day was September 10th. I started my new role on December 1st. Mm -hmm. So between that period of time, I was recovering from burnout. So a part of me was, I don't want to start the process right away because I really need to just re-energize. I need to take a break. I need to not have a calendar on or an invite on my calendar for today. I need to really just relax and rest. But then a part of me was also like, well, you know, money, you need money to survive and pay rent. And so eventually I'm going to have to start looking. And so one of the things I really learned through the process was I had made myself an island at my last job. I had not actively engaged in my local SHRM chapter. I was not actively reaching out to colleagues in my network. I was not, like you said, checking on my fellow brethren Mm -hmm. in the HR world until I needed them. Yeah. And I look back and find that was so, you know, fortuitous for me to, to really realize how 
I need to keep doing that even yeah. though I'm employed now. And it's interesting because when you're in that position, you're kind of like, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to reach out to people who have HR podcasts and see if we can connect, which is exactly how we connected. Cause yeah. I just randomly reached out to you and said, I really like what you're doing. Can we talk? Yeah. And I don't think I would have done that had I not been in this eerie place of, I don't have a job. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I thought this would be easy. Um, I would say, shoot your shot, man. The worst answer you're going to get is a no. And yep. you're going to meet incredible people along the way. I actually met someone through a webinar. It was like a Microsoft webinar for like uh -huh. HR professionals, found somebody, we connected through LinkedIn. We had an hour long conversation. And when I ended it, I was like, I feel like I'm not alone. And that someone else who has a lot of HR experience is not finding the right thing for her as well. Yeah. And I made a new friend out of it. Like it's, right. it's the, the, the upside is tremendous. So I would say Shout out to those people. As far as my process goes, um, one of the things that's really hard to talk about in an interview process is that you're looking for work-life balance because no one wants to hear, oh, I was burned out. I was dealing with dumpster fires. I, I just, I need something that's, you know, very, very conducive to my work environment because yeah. everyone wants productivity. They want to get value out of your salary. They want you to hit the ground running. They have exciting, fun things. So it's really difficult as an HR professional to approach that in an interview um, but I think that the biggest thing I was looking for, for was culture. I want leadership buy-in to HR. I, I don't want there to be a struggle with basic things that our employees need. So there was one company I declined based on the fact that I would be reporting in directly to the business. I would have been the only HR person. And the red flag in the interview was actually with a sales director who said to me, I ask everyone how much money they make, regardless of what state they live in. Um, that may be illegal but you don't have to do it. That's me. As long as I stay in my lane, you stay in your lane, we'll be fine. And I was like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not even going to deal with someone who is blatantly doing illegal things that are not in compliance. Yeah. Um, the other one was a founder led company that really had a strong belief in all in person with very limited hybrid or remote options. As an HR professional, I'm like, that's the future of our world. We've got to get on board with that. If I know the founder and CEO is struggling with making that paradigm shift, I can't, I, I need to be in more of a progressive yeah. um, work environment. And then the last thing was culture, which is where I'll take my 10 pearls plug. Um, so I was really looking for, I want them to walk the talk. Like I want them to, when they say they believe in culture, how are they actually doing this on the, on the ground yeah. running? And one of the things that really sold me was for 10 pearls, they have this philosophy, this, this business strategy called the double bottom line. Uh -huh. And I wanted to know more about what that meant. And the CEO shared with me in my interview that the double bottom line approach is really where we care equally about profit and people. And the way that we do that is by investing in people. I got a really great example. I'll share high level where they chose to kind of forego profit um, because of an employee um, situation where they, they chose the employee, right? Their comfortable, their comfortability with the client. They made a decision that said, you know what, at the end of the day, we're going to discontinue this relationship because we care more about our people feeling safe and comfortable in the workplace. And that kind of sold me. Um, right. so luckily I've been here now for a month and a half and I can honestly tell you they meant it. They care about employee development, pro 
professional growth? Um, how do we, uh, the recruiting and onboarding process, like my boss is so great about like, how do we enhance this? How do we make this better? Like, how do we give the people the employee experience that they need to be successful here? It's just, it's incredible. And so I'm, I'm so grateful to be at a company. It's also so crazy to have work-life balance. Like a lot of times I feel like I'm not doing enough. Cause I'm like, I can sign off at six o'clock. Are you sure that's okay? Like, does anyone need me? Um, and so it's, it's been a huge adjustment to realize, wow, this is what it feels like to actually be happy every day working. And when I say that, it's not that it's not challenging or I'm not dealing with bottlenecks or issues, or I can't think, I mean, it's not perfect, right? There are challenges obviously, um, with every role, but I, I no longer have those Sunday scaries where you're so scared to sign on Monday morning. I, I, Sunday night, last night, it was great to just be like, Oh, I'm excited about tomorrow, you know, and that's, that's new for me. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you raised that because I think, um, even in my coaching practice now talking with, um, my clients, sometimes I have clients who, have been so traumatized from past experiences they struggle with dealing with this new shiny thing that's like what the heck is this like I I don't know I don't even know what this is or what this feels like and I keep saying you know don't expect the past trauma from that organization don't pass it on to the new organization don't Mm -hmm. go in with those expectations that this new organization is gonna like when is the shoe gonna drop Mm-hmm. When are they going to start to look like this old organization? Because then it affects and impacts the way you relate to the way this organization is operating. So I love that. That's such great advice. And actually, that's one great thing I took away from my previous organization, which is the value of assuming positive intent. And oh boy, we HR professionals need that every day. Every- assume- Assume that someone who's emailing you the thing or reaching out with the question, assume they have positive intent, because I think we have so much trauma from our past experiences. We have the experience bias that we're automatically turned against as opposed to pausing and saying, I'm going to give them the benefit. I'm going to assume positive intent until otherwise proven wrong. (laughs) Yes. When people show you who they are, then believe them. But until then, always assume positive intent. Absolutely. I think you shared some really great nuggets um, with us today, Marley. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story, your experience. And I hope that people will take the opportunity to reach out to you on LinkedIn and, you know, learn more about you, build your relationships and build your community. So I, I really wish you all the best with that. Thank you so much, Julie. I appreciate it. Let me ask you this. What are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our audience would enjoy? Oh, that's a great question. I actually, I came prepared. I have three <laughs> books um, okay. that I'm really excited about. So I'm, I'm getting my master's um, in HR from Georgetown. And in my latest diversity and inclusion class, there is this book. It's called Diversity at Work, The Practice of Inclusion. Uh-huh. It is the diversity and inclusion Bible for like, how do you get this ramped up? Cannot recommend it enough. It's foolproof. It has case studies, examples, templates. I, I love it so much. It was a textbook. And I was like, why don't more HR professionals know about this book? It's so great. The next one is my onboarding Bible. It's called the first 90 90 days. days. I love the first 90 days. It is is not new, but it is. I use it all the time. I I send it to new employees and new leaders. And I'm like, this is your onboarding Bible. I read that book every year. 
It's so good. I send mm-hmm. it. I, I love it so much. I, it was actually gifted to me by a previous mentor at an old company and I, she had her name in it and I still hold on to that one. It's just so precious to me. Nice. Um, and then the third thing is an oldie, but a goodie it's HR from the heart by oh. Libby Sartain. It is one of the best HR books I've ever written that brings back home why we do the things we do and why HR matters, bringing it back to human connection, inspiration. Libby Sartain is one of the best. Oh, I love this book so much. I actually was fingering through it the other night and was like, God, I love it. I, I have every page highlighted. So highly recommend it. It is, it's an older book, but it is still and even more. So good. Yes. Nice. Thank you so much for sharing those Marley. Yes, mm-hmm. Here's the hard question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now? Okay. So I feel like I'm not new in saying this, but it really grinds my gears when people think that HR is not there to support the employees and is more so there to support the business. Yeah. Um, it really grinds my gears. And then I also think too, that HR is out to get people like, no, we have, we have to live above reproach in our roles. We have to live with the highest of integrity and ethics because that's our job to hold other people accountable. Um, and so when we are trying to hold people accountable, I think a lot of times people think it's, oh, I'm getting in trouble with HR instead of viewing us as a coach or a mentor or a, Hey, I am your person here that is most concerned with your future success. So listen to me. So that's probably, those are probably, I know that's not new or ground groundbreaking, but, <laughs> but I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that it's the more we say it, the more people understand that that is such a huge misconception. Oh, totally. And I mean, there've been times too, where I've had conversations with employees where I've said, what you're asking for, we're not going to give you here in the next year or two. Let me help you with your resume. Let me connect you with people in my network. Like I will help you off board from this company. Cause it's, it's not going to be good for you or for us. Like I'm, I'm, I want that person to succeed and be happy. Yeah. And I also doesn't mean that I don't have, you know, benefits in the company to having people that want to be there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's twofold. It is equally exactly. as important. Exactly. I, I, in previous roles, I've done that as well, because I think it's important that if we're not meeting your expectations, you can still find a way out. And I'd rather help you with that than for you to stay and be frustrated in your role and not get what you need. So right. I'm glad that um, you shared that as well. So thank you. You're welcome. What is next for Marley Huckabee? I think because I'm still so new to my company, it is just still learning the ropes, how to, how to be successful, how to be strategic, um, how to be a great leader to my team. Um, and then also I think it's always ever shifting, but how do I remain on the cutting edge of HR, right? Like what's the next thing that's going to come? How do I be proactive and stay in front of it? And the biggest takeaway for me in the last couple of months of my journey is never make yourself an Island. Always reach out to people, always make friends. Don't be afraid. The worst thing you'll get is no response. Um, absolutely I'm so glad that you shared those tips and we're so vulnerable and open with me today thank you so much Marley I really appreciate it where can our audience find you on social media Oh, that's a great question. I would say LinkedIn for now. I'm actually in the process of building an HR Instagram, but I'm not quite ready to share it with people yet. It's still under construction. Okay. Well, as soon as it's live and direct, let me know and I'd be happy to share it in the comments at some point in time. Thank you. But 
outside of that, you survived your time in the sound booth today, Marley Huckabee. Thank you so much oh. for being with me today. It's exciting. All right. Thank you so much, Julie. Have a great one. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to our sponsors, Ability CBT and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again in the next Sound Off.